Welcome to Lost in the Supermarket, the podcast that goes behind the shelves with a look at new products, the latest health information, unique recipes, how you can get the best deal for every dollar, and of course, the latest trends. I'm Phil Winford, and on today's podcast, we're going to talk about communicating health and wellness in the non-foods categories, something a little different than you might have expected. My guest is Monica Ambern, a registered dietitian and nutritionist with a passion for creative wellness, education, and communication. Monica is the Senior Director of Health and Wellness at Vescom, the leading provider of shelf-edge nutrition communication solutions to over 15,000 retail locations nationwide. Monica, welcome to Lost in the Supermarket. Thank you so much, Phil. And, you know, if I take a look at what's going on in grocery, retail dietitians are now being charged with expanding health and wellness into non-foods. But for many of us, giving advice on better choices in health and beauty care, supplements, even pet food can be challenging. Let's discuss the biggest wellness trends in these non-food categories and how dietitians can best address these trends responsibly with shoppers. So let's get started by giving us a review of what are the trends in health and beauty care. Well, I, I think that uh, for many of us registered dietitians, you know, it certainly is a female-dominated industry. I think we are first seeing these trends uh, firsthand in our own shopping. Um, and just if you walk the aisles at Sephora or if you're shopping online, you now see items that are called out for having a clean at Sephora logo. Or if you're uh, walking through even a conventional um, store, uh, whether it's a grocery store or a drug channel, you're seeing paraben-free, phthalate-free, sulfate-free, called out on packaging right and left. And, you know, I think as dietitians, you know, we're expected to be the end-all be-all when it comes to health and wellness uh, content. And I, it certainly is a challenge as a dietitian to also now uh, play a toxicologist <laughs> on the side. So, um, you know, these, these trends are emerging um, in such a huge way that we, we really can't ignore them, uh, especially when our retailers are looking at us and asking us to chime in. So um, it, it's certainly uh, contributing to significant growth for retailers in terms of sales. Uh, more and more sales are being, um, more dollars are being spent. Uh, on clean and on natural products. So I, I think it's a great time to open up the discussion and, and really dive into that more. So Monica, how does a registered dietitian learn this information? As you say, it's challenging enough when it comes to edibles, um, you know, for, for an RD to keep up on everything. Where's this information coming from and how reliable is it? Well, I, I think that's a, a great question. Uh, you know, first of all, just looking at what's happening in social media is uh, ground zero, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of um, self-promoted health and wellness experts out there. We, we could do a whole podcast just on that yeah. alone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, taking a look at what, what's trending in health and wellness in social media, um, number one, looks to, look to see what's trending. And then number two, look to see what some of the big organizations are doing around it. And these can be controversial organizations um, in addition to what the government is saying. So for example, um, the Environmental Working Group, um, they have what they call a skin deep database. Um, so if you go to ewg.org slash skin deep, 
you can see that they've put together um, a list of ingredients that are uh, controversial and why they believe they should be avoided. Um, along with, they also have recommendations um, and a new seal of approval um, for products that they endorse for safety um, based on their criteria. Now, I know that group can be somewhat controversial, but just because it's controversial doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking at it. Right. So um, it's important to go and take a look at what they're saying and then make a note of that. And then we have our government resources. Um, one really great one I think that we should spend some time looking at, um, and I certainly need to spend more time looking at, um, is Talkstown. Um, it's part of the NIH National Library of Medicine, and they have some great resources, definitions of chemicals that are in uh, a lot of our consumer goods, um, and full spec sheets on, you know, what the definition of the product or of the ingredient is and why it's controversial and what the research is behind it. And as a lot of us know, uh, the majority of the research on some of these controversial ingredients is inconclusive. So it's good to see what some of the activist groups are saying, but then what is our government saying? And then how do we communicate, just as we would with food, how do we take that information and then communicate responsibly to our shoppers? So Monica, I want to go back to something else you said before. And if we look at social media and we look at, you know, people who are touting, whether it's health and beauty aids or different foods and so on, what's your recommendation on for a consumer or for a registered dietitian to be able to verify whether or not this person is credible, whether, yeah, and look, you're a registered dietitian, you've been educated, you have to keep up on certain standards in order to keep that um, RD after your name uh, each and every year. Um, how do we find out whether or not one of these people who just has a blog, you know, who says whatever they want to sell um, and, you know, they're selling supplements, whatever else. How do we, you know, vet them out to make sure that it's credible? You know, I think that is the uh, most challenging um, thing that we're facing right now in our industry um, as health professionals because we have influencers who are mm -hmm. just that. They're influencers. They're not experts. It used, to be, right. it used to be experts um, <laughs> that, that were really qualified. Now everybody's an influencer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it can be quite discouraging. Uh, so I think that, you know, for anyone, anyone who's taking to social media to just, you know, look to see what's happening in terms of trends and discussion, take everything with a grain of salt until you have like doubled down on a profile to look to see, okay, does that person have a website? And if they do have a website, okay, do they have an about me where they're, they're giving their credentials? Or, you know, are they being transparent? Like, hey, I'm, you know, such and such from, you know, name your state and I have a passion for health and wellness. And if that, and if that's where it ends, you know, that's where it ends. And I think people need to, um, you know, think about that. Just having a passion doesn't mean you, you have an expertise. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so I think as a society, we really need to um, pause when we see that. Um, even there are plenty of experts <laughs> that are out there, and, and we know this, that, that certainly take um, an extremist stance, you know, mm -hmm. on uh, different dietary topics and whatnot. So it's also important to look at that, you know, are, are they leaning towards a certain 
you know, say it's paleo or say it's um, keto, you know, are they leaning that way based on research that they were involved with personally or, or what have you, you know, we, we need to take all of those things into consideration and it, it's becoming increasingly difficult for people to be completely neutral. Sure. Let's, let's move on to vitamins and supplements. What's going on now? Because I know a lot of RDs are continue to say, you know, what you should be doing is you should be getting your vitamins uh, from food. And, and we're seeing more and more supplements coming out on the market every single day. So how does, how does an RD and a consumer balance that out? Yeah, it's another catch-22. So um, I think that we can't ignore the the rise of supplements. And I don't want to say, I don't want it to come across as if you can't beat them, join them. I certainly don't want it to come across like that. But to an extent, you know, these these products sell and they 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 contribute to basket size growth at our retailers so we do need to you know communicate okay food first right we food first but if you are in the market for say a collagen powder supplement or you are in the market for this here is how you choose the better products and uh, again i think that's something that you know, as dietitians, you need to really communicate with your retailers to find out and your merchandisers to find out, you know, what are their priorities and what are their target markets um, or demographics rather. And with that, you know, responsibly come up with a plan together as to how you're going to, you know, promote uh, responsibly, um, but also re remain relevant and trendy because that's, that's another big part of this. Our retailers want to be trendy. They want to be uh, relevant with the influencers and the community that follow um, those influencers. So we, we need to see both sides of the coin on this and learn how to play. How proactive should a retail dietitian be with those merchandisers, with the buyers, rather than just you know, taking what the buyer gives them and say, oh, go out there and promote it. Um, shouldn't RD be going to the buyer and saying, okay, here's what the criteria should be for the new products that you're bringing on the shelf when it comes to health and beauty aids, that here's the trends, here's what consumers want to avoid, and really working hand in hand. Yeah, I, I know it's not possible for all retail RDs, just given, you know, depending on where you work in the organization, whether it's store level or what have you, but if you can be the one bringing the trends to your buyer, mm -hmm. you're, you're only solidifying your worth and your value at your retail, um, your retailer that much further. Uh, so, so if you can be the one going through um, the trends and watching what's happening, happening in social media, I mean, I remember, um, you know, working at the retailer that I used to work for and just anytime Dr. Oz said something every week, it was like, okay, you know, they were dragging me down into the merchandising uh, department to, to talk about it, which was a great problem to have. You know, many of us like kind of sigh and roll our eyes when we hear Dr. Oz's name as a dietitian, but you know, I was being engaged in a conversation. I was um, invited to the table and it's like, okay, you know, what's the best way to go about this? And so I definitely encourage, you know, don't be, don't let Dr. Oz trigger that conversation. Uh, you be the one to trigger the conversation with your merchandiser and then you'll be the go-to from that point forward.
I've noticed walking up and down the aisles of supermarkets, and I try to visit, you know, 10 supermarkets or so a week, um, wherever, wherever I am in the country, I've noticed that, you know, pet foods has changed substantially. Now what we're seeing are refrigerated cases with pet foods. It's not just canned uh, dog food anymore. It's, it's very ex expensive, organic um, touting that they're made in USA. What are, what are some of the trends that, that we're seeing across the country in pet food? Oh gosh, uh, for pet food, um, organic is definitely growing. USDA organic is uh, surging right now. Um, in addition to um, no artificial ingredients. Um, as a matter of fact, Petco, they took a, um, a major step back in November of last year and uh, they will not carry any uh, dog or cat food that contains artificial color, artificial really? colors, flavors, or ingredients or preservatives. Did, did not. Know. Did, oh, really? Um, I I don't have a pet. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I never go to Petco. <laughs> well, now you know. Yeah, now and I, know. I think that's a pretty big stake in the ground. I mean, yep. they, you know, that's your your alpos are out the door at that point you know and not attacking alpo but we it's, it has a it has a reputation um uh so you know eight over 80 percent of pet owners if they do have the uh, you know option of choosing a product that doesn't contain artificial ingredients versus one that's more conventional product they will they will choose the um the more uh the cleaner product if you will so um, it, it's really been interesting to see what's happening there. Also, when it comes to personalization, you know, just that's a trend in uh, for us humans and convenience. You know, we want uh, everything delivered to our door. And, oh, if we can get a DNA diet, you know, delivered mm -hmm. to our door as well, like all the better. Um, for pets, they, they want to know, okay, is this for a life stage? Is this specific to my breed um, in their um, in do they have weight issues or do they have allergies? And of course, there's the whole uh, trend around grain, uh, grain-free products. And um, that might be a trend that's uh, overextended, but regardless, it's a massive trend and uh, it's one that we certainly can't ignore. Do you think we're gonna see or get to the point of DNA for our pets that we do send in and they start customizing our pet food? I believe there are um, some premium uh, companies that do things like that now. Um, I, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on that, but um, I do have a, a pet myself. I have an elderly pug <laughs> who I've spent a lot of money on over the years, and uh, I have seen some things in the in the mail about that. But um, it just as it, it's happening with humans, um, I, I would not be surprise. We want to do for our pets now um, as we would do for our own children. That's a huge trend. And for many millennials, they're choosing to have animals instead of children because animals are more affordable. So now the pet industry is a $70 billion industry, and it's only expected to continue to grow for that reason alone. And they don't talk back. <laughs> Most, of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> so let, let's shift gears a little bit to um, what Vescom and, and Healthy Isles can do to, to really help retail dietitians, whether it's at the corporate level, whether it's the store level, on, on these issues about you know, non-food products, whether it's health and beauty aids, whether it's the vitamin supplements, whether it's the, the pet foods. Um, what, 
what can you bring in your toolkit to them to make their job easier? For sure. So as many people are familiar um, with Healthy Isles and uh, Vescom, you know, we've had our center store, our um, consumable uh, healthy um, attribute database, you know, for over 10 years now. So really what we wanted to do was create the same experience for the rest of the store in these hot trending categories. Uh, because we know that as dietitians, it's hard to answer those questions and to be the expert on everything. So why not create a navigation program that is based on these uh, major trends and non-foods um, that would plug and play just like your center store healthy aisles program would. So um, we have, um, a complete separate list of attributes for these categories. And, you know, we'd certainly, you know, meet with our dietitians to go through those. And in addition to the dietitians, your marketing team, your merchandising team to sit down and say, okay, hey, you know, which uh, demographics are you trying to target? And uh, with that, you know, what are the attributes that you would like to call out? So everything from paraben free, that phthalate free uh, to cruelty free when it comes to health and beauty care items and sulfate free, um, and then over into pet food into the relevant pet attributes, um, and then vitamins and supplements as well. And we can also extend attribution into the fresh perimeter departments. Um, so we're really trying to create a full store navigation experience. Mm -hmm. And something else that we're seeing is, you know, okay, we could call out, you know, a certain number of attributes in store, but what's happening with e-commerce? We need to make sure that whatever's happening on the shelf edge is also happening uh, on the shop from home uh, website for your e-commerce. Uh, so we could expand the uh, number of attributes um, on your e-commerce and your digital experience to be a much larger grouping than just what we have in store. Gotcha. So if, if there is an RD, um, again, either store level or corporate that wants more information, wants to reach out to you, how can they do that? Um, email me directly at uh, mambern at vescom.com. Terrific. Well, Monica, thanks so much for isolating these trends, helping us navigate those aisles just a little bit better. So thank you for being on this podcast of Lost in the Supermarket. Thanks so much, Phil.